A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Because the New Testament is utter horse It's created by a bishop and a an emperor. That's a fact. That's like established religious fact. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. Jesus like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you to witness me. I'm asking you to brush his hair. That's what God commanded Hey everybody, welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 132. I'm your host, Norm The Master's Dog Dunham, aka The Evangelical Norm. The Master's Dog Podcast is a podcast where I do just what it says at that quote at the beginning, the John Calvin quote, when God's truth is, when God's truth is attacked, I bark. Um, started out as a response to another podcast by... Saints Unscripted, formerly known as Three Mormons, uh, they started a segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs. Uh, they were talking about the LDS Articles of Faith. I wanted to respond to every one of those videos, so I created Faith and Beliefs Refuted, committed to respond to every video that they did, and have continued to do so. But later on down the road, I was like, you know, there's more than just this Mormon podcast that I want to respond to. So that's when the Master's Dog became a thing. Uh, Faith and Beliefs Refuted was put to bed. I still respond to all those videos. In fact, today we are responding to a Saints Unscripted Faith and Beliefs video. That's uh, the content that you will absolutely get every week, and then I will throw in stuff here and there about other stuff that comes up. Um, So I've got a couple. It's been two weeks since I've done any podcasting. I took a couple weeks off for the holidays, so I'm playing catch-up. I've got a couple of responses to the Saints Unscripted guys. Definitely going to do a response video to a Dallas Jenkins video dealing with The Chosen. Uh, again, something that needs to be dealt with, uh, with as popular as that show is. So stay tuned. Those will be coming up either later today or tomorrow, next couple of days. Excuse me, those podcasts will be coming out. So all that, that's just a little background for the new people. We do continue every every few days. We're getting more uh, new subscribers, so at least you know every week I see more and more people subscribing to the channel. That's because of you guys who like the videos, share the videos, may comment on the videos. All that stuff activates the algorithm to send it out to more and more people who might like to see this kind of content. So I appreciate it. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, uh, get all the content that is released here on the Evangelical Norm channel on YouTube. You can also get all this stuff as audio podcasts wherever you get your audio podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, iTunes, any of those places you can get this as an audio podcast as well if you don't have time to sit down and watch a video. So, (coughs) excuse me. With all that being said, we're going to jump into the first of of two rapid fire uh, podcasts I'm going to get done on this just to catch up. Um, I took a break. Saints Unscripted did not. So the first one they are talking about that 
they're talking about multiple second comings of Christ. Um, I titled this episode, the multiple second comings or the second coming of who? Because that's the key to this whole thing. So we're going to go ahead and jump in. We're going to let David do what David do. Let him go ahead and talk about what the Mormons believe about the second coming. Adam, you see on the screen, Adam on Diam, and that's some interesting stuff. So um, let's get into it. This is David Snell from Saints Unscripted, uh, Faith and Beliefs. Hey guys, so today we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. A lot of what members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints believe about the second coming overlaps with the beliefs of most Christians, but there are a few beliefs that are unique to our faith. In this episode, we're not really going to be getting... Okay, to say that it overlaps with most Christians, um, there's one key aspect, and we will get to that at the end, one key aspect that just completely separates the two. Overlap is, is meaningless if uh, the absolute core is what's at stake. Into the specifics of all of the signs and wonders and catastrophes leading up to the second coming. Instead, we're just going to get a bird's eye view of the appearances of Christ leading up to his second coming. We believe that before Christ reveals himself to the whole world in glory, he will make at least one or two precursory appearances. Let's talk about them. All right, so the first event we're going to talk about has to do with a prophecy made in Daniel chapter 7. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. A lot of Christians interpret Ancient of Days to be a name for God the Father. Joseph Smith offered a different interpretation. In Joseph's journal is written, Daniel in his seventh chapter speaks of the Ancient of Days. He means the oldest man, our father Adam. He will call his children together and hold a council with them to prepare them for the coming of the Son of Man. Not to be confused with God the Father, as the first man spoken of in scripture, we consider Adam to be the father of the physical human family. Okay. But again, they just popped up a thing, Adam, God theory, and so on. Brigham Young did teach that Adam was God the Father incarnate. God put on a body of flesh and came to earth and became the literal father of our, our, our bodies as well as being the father of our spirits. That's another thing that they teach. But um, So Brigham Young did teach that, um, that Adam was God. Joseph Smith did believe we... I've never heard any Orthodox Christian uh, scholar maintain that, that Adam was the Ancient of Days, which is talked about in uh, Daniel's prophecy. It is God is the Ancient of Days. Latter-day Saints believe that before Christ's official second coming, he will meet on the earth with faithful mortal followers as well as many immortal individuals, namely Adam and many others. At this meeting, the priesthood keys given to these individuals to administer the gospel to the earth will be turned back over to Jesus Christ. Why? Because after the second coming, it will be Christ himself who reigns on earth during the millennium, which we talked about in this episode. Doctrine and Covenants section 116 talks about the location where this council meeting will happen. Spring Hill is named by the Lord Adam on Diamond because, said he, it is the place where Adam shall come to visit his people, or the Ancient of Days shall sit as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Spring Hill, or Adam on Diamond, is located about 80 miles northeast of Kansas City, Missouri. Joseph Smith taught that after Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden, they ultimately ended up in Adam on Diamond. There's a lot more that could be said about this. Okay, 
So let's just talk about that for a minute. He says there's a lot more that can be said about it. This was the key to me leaving Mormonism. Because the Bible is very clear that when Adam is kicked out of the Garden of Eden, when the location of the Garden of Eden, you have the Euphrates, you have the Tigris, you have Jordan, you have Ethiopia, you have all of these African uh, African continent uh, landmarks of where Eden was and where Adam was expelled to, to the east of Eden and so on. Everything that happens runs through the Middle East in this area through, you know, this place, whether it's Northern Africa, Egypt, the Middle East, and so on. How, again, if Adam was cast out from the Garden of Eden into Jackson County, Missouri, now look at the look at the genealogies and stuff like that. Where do you see Adam and the Hebrews and the Israelites and those people coming back to to another continent. This was a thing that I had a conversation with my bishop about that I said, I cannot believe this. I do not believe that this is where Adam lived, that this is where the Garden of Eden was. None of these things. And his comment to me was, after the flood, the lands changed. No. No. I'm just not buying it. Place. So if you want to dive deep, check out some of these resources, which are also linked in the YouTube description. Pre-second coming visit number two. As you know, before the second coming, things on Earth are going to get pretty dang bad. Earthquakes, volcanoes, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Latter-day Saints and other Christians believe that the Battle of Armageddon will culminate with the Jews in Jerusalem being surrounded by enemies and on the brink of destruction. But before the Jews are overcome, as Zechariah 14 prophesies, Christ will appear and set foot on the Mount of Olives just outside of the old city's eastern wall. The Mount of Olives will split in half and provide the Jews with a route of escape from their enemies. Doctrine and Covenants 45 says, And then shall the Jews look upon me and say, What are these wounds in thine hands and in thy feet? Then shall they know that I am the Lord. For I will say unto them, These wounds are the wounds with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I am he who was lifted up. I am Jesus that was crucified. I am the Son of God. Interestingly, the Mount of Olives was where the resurrected Christ ascended into heaven. Two angels in Acts chapter 1 prophesied that just as Christ ascended from the Mount of Olives, he would one day descend there as well. Now, here comes the ambiguity. There are many who believe that this... Okay, uh, before we get to the ambiguity, let's, let's take a look at this. This is what most Christians believe is as the second coming of Christ. When he comes down, sets foot on the earth, on the Mount of Olives, we, we read all that, we believe all that, we understand that. Um, this is where the traditional belief of the second coming of Christ is going to be. It's just so weird that they have, again, Mormonism is the epitome of an Americanized religion. You know, again, Jehovah's Witnesses, we just did the, the new false teacher of the week, Mary Baker Eddy, and so on. So we've seen all these these just simply or American religions, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses. All this stuff was born and, and created in the States. So much so that, again, that many of them have some kind of belief that when Jesus comes back, he's coming here. Because they were the special prophet or whatever, that this is somehow the promised land. America has nothing to do with the second coming of Christ. Let me repeat that for the Christian nationalists out there. America has nothing 
to do with the second coming of Christ. Okay? America could fall. I mean, I don't want to see it happen. I'm not anticipating that it could happen. But it could happen. There could be no America. There could be no United States of America when when Jesus comes back. M- might not happen. So the fact that, it, that they, they find themselves so centered around this, and again, it's the... the Charisma, the charisma and the self-centeredness of the false prophet that says, well, I can make these decisions and I can come up with this stuff. So now let's let him try to say if there's any ambiguity, which I don't think there is. Appearance on the Mount of Olives will be the second coming, the main event, and not just an appearance preceding the main event. Even within our own faith, there is sometimes some confusion on this question, so don't feel bad if you're in that boat. The most concrete understanding in our faith seems to me to be that Christ's appearance on the Mount of Olives and the official second coming are two separate events, but I'm not going to speak dogmatically on that issue. In either case, when Christ comes again for the main event, ushering in the beginning of the millennium, the whole world will be aware of it. DNC 88 teaches that before Christ comes, there shall appear a great sign in heaven, and all people shall see it together. After this sign is given, there shall be silence in heaven for the space of half an hour, and immediately after shall the curtain of heaven be unfolded, as a scroll is unfolded after it is rolled up, and the face of the Lord shall be unveiled. Revelation 1 teaches, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. As Christ, dressed in red, descends to a tired world, as we talked about in our episode about the rapture, the saints that are upon the earth who are alive shall be quickened and be caught up to meet him. And they who have slept in their graves shall come forth, for their graves shall be opened. And they also shall be caught up to meet him in the midst of the pillar of heaven. They are Christ's, the first fruits, they who shall descend with him first. Now, this has been a very brief overview of these events. There's obviously a lot more going to be going on in the world leading up to these events. We didn't talk about angels and trumpets and earthquakes. There are lots of signs and wonders that we didn't get to. But hopefully this gives you somewhat of an idea of what Latter-day Saints believe about Christ and his second coming. If you want to dive deeper, as always, all right, we'll just leave it at that. As always, there you can go to these original videos of his, and you can get the the information, the stuff in their comments, and so on, and and yeah, blah 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 blah. Okay, so ambiguity is there ambiguity in whether or not this is the first coming? This is what happens when you get false prophets, when you get false teachers who create their own thing. They always want to. Well, I shouldn't say always, but a lot of the times they go, "Well, this is what the Bible says," but. I have this little bit more of information. It's the same thing that John Hagee and some of these other people did with the blood moons and stuff like that. It's the whole thing, you know, well, this word has been translated in, uh, you know, Hebrew as this for so many thousands of years. And now, because I came along and I've got this special knowledge, I'm going to change it up. Joseph Smith did just that. Well, this is where we've always believed that Jesus' second coming is going to be him coming and stepping foot. But I know differently. I know something more that you don't know because God thinks I'm special and he's made me special. Again, I just talked about it in the Mary Baker Eddy. Anytime someone comes along and takes what has been established for thousands of years to be orthodox doctrine and teaching and says, well, you know, I, I just because this red flags, we have to question that. Be Bereans. Go back, look, and see what the original stuff says. And look at what scholars have said for thousands of years and the fact that very, very smart men have agreed on these things for so long 
the why would we suddenly go, well, I guess this guy is just smarter than all the rest of them. You see where that why we have that red flag? There is really no ambiguity. And and again, that's the other thing. When you hear them go, well, even in our own faith, there are people who don't believe. Well, because that's because your own faith doesn't even have any kind of continuity in it. Um, and Joseph Smith's teachings ranged all over the place and, you know, evolved as he grew and, and gained power and, and wanted to. Uh, express that power in different ways. You know, he grew into polygamy and threatening his own wife that if she didn't accept the, the practice of polygamy, that God was going to destroy her and all these things that Joseph Smith did, proving himself to be a false teacher, proving Mormonism to be a false religion. And then the key that it all comes down to anyway, no matter how many second comings or multiple appearings of Christ which Christ are we talking about? Because that is what is important. The Mormon representation of Jesus Christ, the Mormon counterfeit of Jesus Christ, is a man who had a beginning, who was a spirit child, the result of a sexual relation, a spiritual sexual relationship between God, Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, whether it's just one or multiple, who is Lucifer's brother, spirit brother, and yours and my spirit brother as well, um, instead of what the Bible proclaims him to be the creator of all things. You know, he's not Lucifer's brother. He's not my brother. He's my creator. He is. He adopts me into his family, and he's the first born of, of the, the resurrection. And, and there are these places where we can look and go as an adopted into the family. He, I can call him brother. But again, I call him Lord. Because that's who he is. You know, we, we look at the example of John, who, who says in Revelation, when, when Christ appeared to him, he fell at his feet as if dead. This is the guy who leaned his head against Jesus' chest. If anyone could go, this is my friend, this is my brother, this is my you know, whatever, uh, John falls at his feet as if dead and refers to him as Lord. Not what the Mormons present him to be. A man with a beginning who had to earn his own salvation, who was a bro spirit brother and not the creator and all these things. The Mormon Jesus is a counterfeit and cannot offer any kind of salvation. And it's, it's not the same Jesus. We're going to get into that with the video of Dallas Jenkins coming up soon. Um, but it's not the same Jesus. Jesus himself said there will be false Christs. They go, oh, well, no, we call him Jesus. He's just, this is the Mormon attitude. No, because then you're calling Jesus a liar to say, no matter if I call him Jesus and, and this and that. Well, no, Jesus said there will be false Christ. And the Mormon church is presenting one of those to you. And I get passionate and emphatic about that because it's important because it is leading people to hell. Those are the people who are going to show up and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do these things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you because you were doing these things in the name of a false Christ, not him. So my Mormon friend, if you're watching this and you're reading, run, get out, find a Bible believing Christian church that teaches who the true Christ is. The triune God, the second person of the Trinity, the creator of all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Find a church that teaches that, where you can find true salvation through true repentance, through grace alone, 
by faith alone, through Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, according to what Scripture has showed us alone. Not great salvation by, by grace after all you can do, or what, however that Mormon saying goes. And my Christian friend, as always, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.